Biking for Babies has partnered with well over 100 pregnancy care centers across the United States and has raised over $1.6 million in support of those pregnancy care centers and other maternity homes. Today, I'm joined by their executive director, Nikki Beeves, to talk all about their mission. Hi, folks. Welcome back to the Pro-Life Guys podcast, a show dedicated to equipping you with the tools that you need to have compassionate and compelling conversations about abortion so together we can change minds, save lives, and transform our culture. My name is Cam. I'm the host of the show, and today we are in for a special treat. Today we're going to go a little bit outside of the shoot with regards to apologetics per se, but rather highlight a really, really cool ministry that's happening in America, um, bringing together um, athletic... Um, excellence, I suppose, um, together with um, financial partnership with pregnancy care centers, maternity homes, and other resources for um, mothers and fathers experiencing challenging and difficult pregnancies and parenting. And so um, I this first came on my radar. Nikki actually reached out to me a couple months ago, and it's been a, a couple months in the works drawing together this um, this episode. But I'm really excited. The more I have looked into biking for babies, the more impressed I've been that it's not just a matter of a whole bunch of people that don't really know anything about the pro-life movement just doing something that they would do anyways and filtering money in a um, unvetted way towards just anybody and everybody. Um, I mean, not that there's major problems with that. Um, but I, I really, really appreciate just how intentional, just how thoughtful um, this organization is in equipping uh, missionaries with not only the tools that they need to um, excel in a athletic kind of way, doing over 100 miles of bicycling each day, um, five, six days in a row kind of thing. It's absolutely amazing that way. But even more than that, how they are equipped and how they come alongside these pregnancy resource centers and maternity homes, um, learn about them so they can share about them as they travel um, so that others can be inspired, empowered to financially partner. Um, they have raised an incredible amount of money in support of these agencies. And we're going to talk all about them all about the um, the organization Biking for Babies in and of itself and how you can get involved, whether it's a cyclist, whether it's a support team member, or whether you representing um, a pregnancy care center, maternity home can get plugged in to be one of the recipients of sponsorship, whether um, you're a church that wants to partner with um, Biking for Babies to become a host um, for their, their incredible trips um, throughout America, and as we're not here, um, their openness to expanding um, globally as well. So with Without further ado, here's my conversation with Nikki Bees, Executive Director of Biking for Babies. All right, Nikki, thanks so much for taking the time to join the Pro-Life Guys podcast. How are you? I'm great, Cam. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. This is a joy. I, I am always excited to learn about different pro-life initiatives happening around the world. And Biking for Babies is really, really cool. And before we dive into like the what's happening this year and how people get involved, I, I would love to ask a little bit about the background because I feel like this is the kind of thing that can either be developed um, on a late on a Friday night when you're tired of doing school, like, you know what, I just want to hop on my bike and do something good and save some babies. Or this could be something that is like very, very meticulously thought out and all of the the preparations, check and boxes, checks and balances. What is the origin story of biking for babies? Is it a little bit more the former, a little bit more the latter of how things started getting going? Um, a little bit more of the former. So we were founded in 2009. So I don't get the credit for founding Biking for Babies. But back in 2009, two young college age men, Mike and Jimmy, um, were incredibly athletic, had these, you know, God given physical talents, they were triathletes, and they wanted to do something to support the women in their community who were considering abortion. And so they found a local pregnancy resource center called Living Alternatives. And they decided to bike 600 miles across Illinois, um, which it's not that that long of a state. So they did a bunch of zigzag um, little routes and biked those 600 miles. And at the end of their ride, you know, they had raised $14,000 for living alternatives and also for the Students for Life on campus there where they were at school. And Jimmy got to hold a baby named Cecilia, whose mama was served by living alternatives. And um, here was this beautiful baby girl alive and well uh, because her mom was served. 
And she chose to continue with her pregnancy and give birth to Cecilia and actually put her up for adoption. So, you know, the, the fruit of the hard work that Mike and Jimmy put into action, you know, was very visible and tangible for them in that moment when they realized, wow, if we can do more for these women in our community, um, these children will have the chance at life and these women won't have to suffer through abortion. So they realized the incredible responsibility and opportunity they had to provide young people with the chance to put their their faith and their pro-life beliefs into action in a really fun, exciting way. So we came about in just like a an idea, a way to do something good. And, you know, 15 years later, we've raised over $1.6 million for pregnancy resource centers and maternity homes in the United States. And we've formed um, over 200 young adult missionaries and supported over 200 of those centers. Wow. There's, uh, there's a million things I want to unpack there because that is so cool. And and I guess, first of all, I, I don't know how how much in contact you've been with the original founders, but um, two people biking in 2009, up to 70 people biking last year. At what point did they realize, like, like uh, 2010, were they assuming it was just me, the two of them, and, and another friend decided to tag on her? Or how, how did they kind of envision this growth to expand from something that started relatively small, $14,000, two guys riding um, because it was kind of their passion, to something like you said of now over $1.5 million fundraised, you got 70 some odd people biking, not to mention all of the support staff. Um, what, what did that development look like from year one to year 15? Yeah, definitely. I Really quick, I misspoke. Um, over 125 pregnancy resource centers. I said over 200, but, um, and there's almost 3,000 in our country. So we have a long way to go, despite, <laughs> like you've said, the incredible growth that we've had. So co founder Jimmy is on our board. He's our board chair. So very much involved in the day to day. And Mike um, is involved uh, as well at a different level um, in, our, in St. Louis um, with our Celebration of Life event there. Uh, as we've grown and transformed from just a couple riders, really, you know, and not even really a support crew at that time, they just rode and had a friend kind of in a van just in case they needed help. And this was in March. So frostbite was definitely, I mean, you're cold up there. We're not as cold as you, but March in Illinois is cold. And so uh, we don't do that anymore. We just kind of face the heat of July in the States. Um, but yeah, they rode and really just, um, dreamed about what this could be. And I will say those two guys, if they did not have that, you know, God-given dreaming capacity, we would not be where we're at because they just opened themselves up to, well, maybe we bike across the country. So they, the next year they went from New Orleans, Louisiana. So the very bottom of the States, right there by the ocean, all the way up to Champaign, Illinois. And so like a thousand miles, a little over a week, definitely over a hundred miles a day on the bike. And um, they just had friends who were intrigued by the athletic and adventurous nature of the ride that it turned into this very exciting week in the summer. And we've really grown from let, let's do this really awesome, fun thing for a good cause to let's form these young people into missionary disciples of Jesus Christ, into these people who are able, like capable of sharing the beauty of every life um, able of talking just with people and sharing the stories of these real women served by these centers and have, you know, moved from a place of, wow, abortion is my only option. There's, there's no other way that I see myself going forward from this to I'm able to choose life for, for myself and for my child. And those are the stories that change hearts and minds, um, about what's needed in response to her unplanned, difficult or at-risk pregnancy. So we've definitely grown a lot in the years and, um, become just uh, a force of that formation for these young people in addition to providing that tangible support for these women. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such a valuable component because I, I got to be honest, I talk to a lot of people who are intrigued by the idea of doing some kind of athletic feat like that, whether it's running, whether it's biking, whether it's something else entirely. And yet so often the ideas that I hear can't help but remind me of that scene or the the kind of section of Forrest Gump where he's just like randomly running across the country because he, he can't process what he's dealing with and he's just like running for the sake of running mm -hmm. and there's not a whole lot of awareness he's got like 50 100 some odd people behind him they don't really know why he's doing it but he's just like out there doing something 
And yet what you guys have been able to capture is not only that incredible feat of athleticism, the really exciting, really engaging area that, that people who have a particular talent can really dive into, but connecting that in such a profound way to supporting mothers and fathers experiencing challenging pregnancies. And I wonder um, if you could maybe speak to how valuable you have found that partnership as you partner with pregnancy care centers across the country um, and, and what they have found to be really inspiring from that, that, that somebody is willing to go out there and, and cycle 600 miles or more um, in defense, in support of pregnant mothers, but also for the educational, the awareness, all that kind of thing. I know that's a really convoluted question that, that kind of draws in a whole bunch of stuff. Maybe just speak towards that that mm. partnership, that relationship between cyclists and, and support staff, obviously, as well, and Pregnancy Care Center, and how you kind of bring the two of them together into a really cool relationship. Yeah, what a great question, because you really see the purpose of that. You know, it's not just a transaction. We're not just raising this money. Um, and then never talking with these, you know, the staff and the volunteers at these centers. No, it is very much a close relationship between these centers. And again, they're not biking for babies, pregnancy resource centers. We partner with them. Exactly. So they do this work on the front lines, you know, women walking through their doors, needing this support now, and we want to provide for them so they can continue to do that. Uh, and that relationship with their missionary is very key. So missionaries are partnered one-to-one -one with a pregnancy resource center. So my name is Nikki, and my partner is Women's Care Center of Madison, Wisconsin, as an example. And I meet with them multiple times throughout my formation timeline between March and September, and I get to know their work. What's their mission? How do they approach serving these women? Because pregnancy resource centers, and we also partner with maternity homes and full-blown pro-life health clinics, um, to, you know, to serve these women from their different vantage points. So uh, what are your services? What do you offer? What are the challenges you're going through? And then, you know, stories, like I said, stories of women supported, and maybe those moms chose to keep their child or chose to give that child up for adoption, um, or maybe the mom chose abortion. And where has that gotten her? What is the result of that? And Maybe she's done that multiple times and then come back to the pregnancy center and really been able to to heal from that and move on and and not continue down that path of a repeat abortion. Um, so that not only are we providing for these centers to do their work, we have been told that they are spirit, the staff and volunteers are spiritually renewed because here are these young people, 18 to 39, you know, in a time where a lot of people consider the, the generation or those couple generations as lazy as self-absorbed. They're like, I got my phone, you know, and that's all I'm looking at or looking at myself on TikTok, making these videos. Um, these people, they are going to work hard. They're going to put their time, talent, energy, finances on the line for women and children. They may likely never meet for these centers to be the face of that center on this national ride and beyond so that people can learn about what they're doing. And really the goal is not only to provide that tangible financial support, but also to raise awareness because so many people don't know that they exist. So many, and then the people that know that pregnancy resource centers exist have a negative connotation sometimes that they're unethical, that they sway women. And really, if you ever step foot in a center, you would know they are coming from a place of love to provide hope for that woman when no one else is telling her that she can do this. So it's such a bond in that relationship of, of spiritual support and renewal and that missionary themselves, themselves get, they get to learn um, and see love really service and, and sacrifice firsthand and countless missionaries tell us of how transformed they are uh, by learning about these pregnancy resource centers and what they do and um, our missionaries go on to volunteer and, and work at pregnancy centers. And that's really the goal is to be sent as a missionary continuing um, to be that change. Gotcha. And that's exactly where I wanted to go next. Of um, mm -hmm. curious about you, you mentioned that, that um, was it Mike or, or the other founder that um, was able to hold a child um, who had been served by that pregnancy care center? Yes. I, I'm curious. I'm sure that at least some of the people who apply to be cyclists or support staff maybe aren't super involved in the pro-life movement. Maybe this is something that they came across or, or heard of it from a friend of a friend or something like that. Like, hey, you know what? I, I'm a cyclist anyways. I'll get involved. But how this experience may transform not only 
their perspective on the pro-life movement, but maybe even their their career trajectory, their their volunteering portfolio, going from somebody who maybe didn't have a whole lot of time or or brainpowered attended towards the pro-life issue who have been transformed through this experience and now getting far more involved. I wonder if you if you would have a, a story or two, maybe even yourself, of how this mm-hmm. journey of, of getting involved with, mm-hmm. with um, Biking for Babies has transformed the trajectory of some of the volunteers, some of the participants in how they get involved in the pro-life movement going forward. Yeah. And that's one of the, my favorite things to share because we know that in order to renew the culture into one that supports life and promotes it, which is truly our mission, we have to do both. We have to support these women in crisis now, and we have to transform these young people so that they can help transform the culture. Um, this is the future, right? The future leaders of our world. And they need to have this disposition towards life and, you know, this virtue formation to know how to suffer well for others. And I have to highlight our Canadian missionary that we had this year, our first ever Canadian missionary, Whitney. Um, I believe she's from the Ontario area. And she, um, she, was transformed heavily, especially through prayer, um, having just a daily prayer routine. I am not going to be able to ride in this ride if I don't pray, she said. You know, she's like every single moment of training was just spent really offering it up and knowing that, you know, Jesus is going to have to pedal for me because I'm really not going to be able to do it. Um, And she also volunteers for Pregnancy Resource Center. So it's like she's just learning and truly being transformed. And now our formation is done. So she's going on to um, continue what she's learned. And you asked for my my story. Um, in short, I came from a family without any Christian background and without any pro-life uh, beliefs, and not necessarily like a family very bent on pro, you know, being pro-abortion, but Um, As I was introduced to Christianity, and for me, it was Catholicism, and and learned about being pro-life and chose to uh, become Catholic, you know, some of the conversation with my family was, well, what about abortion? Because obviously, the Catholic Church is against abortion, and that's what a lot of people see, but they don't fully realize the reason why. It's not to be, you know, this, this dictatorship, and you have to just follow us, and women have to suffer, and Uh, all of those things. No, it's the beauty of the gift of every life. And it's the fact that women deserve better than abortion. And I didn't know how to answer that when I was becoming Catholic as a, you know, a teenage girl in high school. Um, But I found biking for babies in college. In year two, I met Jimmy Becker um, at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And that's where I really saw these pregnancy resource centers for the first time and learned what it truly meant to be pro-life and to live it every day and not just like stamp that seal of, you know, I'm pro-life and then like walk away and and be done. Um, And it, Biking for Babies has completely transformed my life and, um, and my husband's. That's fantastic. And that's so beautiful how how transformative of an impact this has on so many people, yourself included, in getting them to consider the the hardship that a lot of moms go through and the, the incredible value that so many of these pregnancy care centers bring to our our world, right? I mean, you mentioned mm-hmm. there's over 3,000 of them across America. There's hundreds of them across Canada. And while some of them, sure, are very well served and are in very supportive communities where they have not only the resources, but also the programming and everything else that they need, a lot of them are really struggling to make sure that they have everything that moms and dads need as they seek to navigate whatever challenges may present during a pregnancy. And I'm, I'm curious about... Um, <clears throat> The partnerships, as you've learned more and more about these different pregnancy care centers, I, I was looking on your website and how pregnancy care centers can apply to be partners. And I, I wondered if you could walk us through a little bit as to what that application process looks like and how you're able to learn about these pregnancy care centers, uh, maybe even the volume of them. You've mentioned that, that they're paired one-to-one, and I believe if numbers in my brain are correct, 79 last year with 79 riders. I might be off on that. Um but where are these pregnancy care centers coming from? Are they all repeat pregnancy care centers or are some of them coming as, as they learn about you guys as well? Um, what, what does that application process look like and how do those relationships develop year over year as they maybe come back for a second, third, fourth, fifth year of partnering with you guys? 
Absolutely. You have done your homework. Thank you for reading so much on our site. Um, I'll clarify, we had 79 missionaries. So we count our support crew missionaries in the support vehicle. They are a missionary. And then we had, um, I don't remember the exact number, but 50 something riders to the 20 ish support crew. Um, and Yes. So we had, we actually had 80 pregnancy resource centers and maternity home partners and it's just how it worked out for the year. God always has a plan. Um, so a nice round number there. Um, we have a vetting process. So yes, pregnancy resource centers, maternity homes, pro-life health clinics. If you are listening to this, you can absolutely apply. Um, the application takes less than an hour and we want to hear from you. What is your mission? Um, do you provide for or refer for abortion? That should be a no. If you want to partner with us, um, same goes for, do you provide for or refer for birth control, contraception, and um, just, you know, kind of thinking through for us, like the healthy behaviors we want to instill and encourage in our young people. Um, that's, you know, we don't want to be providing birth control and contraception and things like that. Um, we want to hear your stories. How, you know, how have you served a woman? What was the result of that? What kind of hope did you provide her with your services? And, you know, just the stats. So we want to know how, the impact they're having on their community and um, the number of men they serve. You know, oftentimes these centers are trying to bring the men in with a men's ministry of some kind. So finding a guy in their community, a local man who is, you know, a well-rounded a uh, responsible person to lead some groups with these guys. So they see a great example of a man that can be an astounding human and father and spouse or partner. Um, so we just want to make sure that we're raising up the family completely. And uh, we love to hear those kinds of things from our centers. So uh, applications are due February 2nd. Uh, they haven't opened, or I don't know when this is airing, but November 1st is when this, the applications are opening. And um, yep, they're open until February 2nd. And we, um, you know, any questions, uh, people can reach out to us for, for that. Cool. Um, I will absolutely put the link for that in the show notes below. And so if you're a pregnancy care center, definitely do apply to that. Um, a question that, that maybe we can tackle now, maybe we tackle a different time. Um, and I know this is getting a little bit off line of, line of questions that I had in mind. Um, you guys are growing not only number of, of missionaries, number of groups that you're partnering with, but also I, I would anticipate the roots. And I was looking at the roots that you guys are doing. And obviously there's a lot that is starting in correct me if I'm wrong, you characterize that as the Midwest. You, you've got like mm -hmm. uh, Michigan, you've got Kansas, you've got a few other spots like that. With regards to route selection, how how do you guys go about choosing where you're going to be cycling? Um, is, is there a world in which maybe a couple of years in the future, there's a route in California going up to Washington? Is there a world in which Florida gets involved? Is there a world in which maybe there are international routes that start partnering with you guys? What, what does that look like when it comes to choosing the routes that you guys are going to commit to? Yeah, great question, because in the last five years since I've been executive director, I'm the first ever full-time staff. So, yeah. you know, bringing on a full-time focus has really just, we've blossomed. And it's been beautiful to see um, just that growth happen so naturally. And it comes with a lot of work for sure. But in the last three years, we've added pretty much two routes every year. Okay. And uh, we have that core from the Midwest, you know, just kind of where we started in Illinois. It, it was easy to kind of branch out as we, um, relatively easy, as we made more contacts and got more people excited to join. I recruit a lot of people from the Wisconsin area. So, um, you know, those, those routes fill up more easily with missionaries. And then we brought on our second staff over on the East Coast. And so we started routes going to the Virginia, Arlington, Virginia area, DC area. And so the routes come from prayer, first of all, like, God, where do you want us to grow? Where do you want us to expand to as we, you know, the goal really, um, are you familiar with the March for Life in DC? So the goal um, has kind of been to be the March for Life equivalent in July on bicycles across the summer or across the country. And we'll just see kind of what the God has in mind. But we grow where the fruit is really. So when we have someone in that general area who can kind of commit to, you know, maybe they can be a host or maybe we have a couple missionaries we know that are going to apply. Uh, for example, this year we're discerning a few new routes. So South Carolina to Virginia is one, um, an, Alabama, an extra Alabama route into St. Louis. So that'd be two from the South and then a Lincoln, Nebraska route into St. Louis. So as we navigate those conversations, it depends on how many missionaries we have apply and who we can kind of fill that with and how much support we can get for that route because our hosts donate 
their church, their homes, their cafeteria floor at the school and let us sleep there. They host events for us so we can raise awareness for our mission. Uh, they feed us. So really, we have to depend on that amazing generosity from our hosts um, to, to build this out. Oh, absolutely. I, I definitely can appreciate that. A lot of the traveling that we do with our interns over the summer is based solely through the generosity of host homes and churches that are allowing us to use their facilities for speaking events and all that kind of thing. And so I, I can definitely appreciate that. And I'm sure that in a lot of ways, like you alluded to, that that in planning a new route, that's going to be one of the biggest and most important things to secure going into them, of, of making sure that not only do all of the teams have place to sleep at, at night, but also in the evenings, it's not as though we're just waking up or we're doing our, our cycling with our, our headphones in and we just tune out the, the rest of the world. Sure, we're wearing a baby's uh, biking for baby shirt, but that's the extent of it. We get to our our um, hotels. We're playing Xbox on the hotel TV and that's the, the, the gist of it. Maybe walk me through. I, there's a phenomenal video on the website as to the day in the life of a cyclist. And I'll, I'll put that in the show notes as well, but maybe speak specifically towards um, the relationship that you guys have with the communities that you're stopping in the during the day i'm sure there's an, an awful lot of cycling and and i think that while as as somebody who doesn't do a lot of cycling i do a lot of other sports but not not a ton of cycling it's probably not just as simple as hopping on your bike and riding for 600 kilometers not uh, 600 miles nonstop. um but maybe speak specifically towards what it looks like in partnering with the community um in not only the the morning breakfast routine but also the the evening and maybe we can inspire a few um listeners here to consider whether or not their home community could um be one of the anchors on a trip um in the future Oh, awesome. Great question. So yes, we can talk maybe in a minute about how the day looks for the for the teams. And yes, lots of miles, lots of uh, offering it up, as we say, for the mamas and the babies. Uh, but once we arrive to our landing place, whether it's a host house or a church, um, usually somewhere in the realm of 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. or so. Uh, so yes, a full day of riding, 10 to 12 hours on the bike, and then we get somewhere we need to get showered. There's sometimes a little chill time to rest or maybe pray. Uh, and then we have some kind of event at night, whether it's a church service um, or yeah, maybe a prayer service or something with people from the community. The goal is always to be with people from the community because of course, as missionaries, we love each other. We become this incredible family. You know, they go through formation. It's virtual. They don't get to meet each other typically um, unless they join together, but typically uh, until that week of the ride. And it's beautiful to see how those little, little family units uh, transform over time and grow. Uh, but we want to be interacting with people from the community because that's the only way that we're going to share in the gospel of life and really promote these pregnancy resource centers and promote our mission. So some kind of a dinner. And this is really the moment that the missionaries have trained for. They, they train during their formation to give their testimony. So um, I know that you do this with a lot of your interns and um, the work that you do. But yeah, why am I pro-life? Why did I join this crazy adventure? Why am I biking 600 to 700 miles across the country in a week? This is insane. Let me tell you why. And um, we really let that be a personal why for the missionary um, and try to give them the tools to be, um, you know, Im impactful and uh, share it in the best way so that people can be moved by their story. And, and those in those evenings, you usually get one to two missionaries sharing their their why. And then, um, yeah, teams have their their evening meetings and uh, go to bed and do it all over again the next day. <laughs> do it the next day. I, I think that's so cool how well you connect with the community um, and, and how important that is. And I'm sure it's not every stop. Are, are there any stops where the, the pregnancy care center that has been partnered with one of the riders actually there and, and they can have a contingency that's there at the event and people can get connected directly? Because I'm sure that there's not only an inspiration component to those evening presentations and, and whatnot, but, but I'm sure that there's a fundraising appeal and also a volunteer drive because every pro-life um, entity can use more warm bodies and more money to be able to reach more and more people. Um, is it often that the pregnancy, the local pregnancy care centers come out and partner with um, those events? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got it. You got it exactly right. We have a number of evenings along the ride where these centers come out and share their own missions. And there is a fundraising appeal for sure as we try to raise money. And, um, you know, when we end sharing our story, the goal really is to inspire people um, to consider their role in this whole, you know, mission, this 
desire to not even just desire, but the requirement really, um, the importance of changing the culture. What is your role in that? And maybe it is to be a volunteer at this local pregnancy resource center. You can hear, hear what they need and you can be the boots on the ground right here in this area for them. Totally. And I'm sure that at least some of the future writers are coming from those events as well when they see these heroes that are um, making such a uh, great sacrifice and and just how valuable that is. I'm sure that there's at least a few writers that maybe 10 years after they saw them in Illinois or Wisconsin or wherever, like, hey, I, I want to do that. I want to do that once I graduate high school. I want to do that once I'm uh, within that realm. You had said 18 to 39 is generally where you're looking for people mm -hmm. to be in? Yes. Yep. We're looking for young adults and we extend that up to 39. Um, gotcha. So if we, even high schoolers, they can join us as long as they're 18 by the time of the ride in July. And uh, gotcha. absolutely. It's been fun to be a part of it so long that now people are saying, I grew up wanting to do this. <laughs> like, man, That's I'm so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. I I get that at work too. Like the the idea of working full time in the pro life min, uh, movement or or doing these crazy things. Like when I was in high school, that was completely unheard of. And now I present in high schools. So they're like, we want to be just like you. We grow up and like, oh my goodness, like I got to clean up my act to make sure that I'm, I'm a worthy role model or whatever. Um, so that that's super cool to dive into the cycling. And, and I got a confession to make. So I. I've often thought about um, triathlon. So I, I was a competitive runner while I was in high school, university. I did a lot of running, mostly not even because I enjoyed running, but because I just thought that it was an easy way to prep for all of the other sports that I was doing. And so I, I would do a lot of running and I've played almost every sport competitively with the exception of swimming and skating. I can't swim and I can't skate, which is weird for somebody coming from Canada to be fair. I grew up in Victoria, uh, which is like Seattle in, in America. And so Hockey wasn't a huge thing in Victoria, but I can't swim and I can't skate. And the only reason up until now that I have never done a, a triathlon, I've always thought, you know, what, I've got the running, I've done all of that training. Anybody can ride a bike. And so obviously I can, I can ride a bike. It's just the swimming that has held me back. But maybe mm -hmm. speak a little bit into that cycling because I, I know as I have gained a little bit of wisdom and a few gray hairs that cycling is actually really challenging. This isn't something that you're just kind of lollygagging along um, some bicycle pathway with a, a cruiser bike and a horn that you're honking at everybody that goes by kind of thing. But this is a grueling grind for people. Um, what does the training montage look like? Um, what does the, the experience look like for a lot of the cyclists that come through here? Mm-hmm. Well, let me be the first to say that you do not have to be an elite cyclist to join Biking for Babies. We eliminated that a long time ago. So Mike and Jimmy, absolutely elite cyclists. I mean, Jimmy is older than me and he still just like hops on the bike with the teams and he just is an incredible athlete. Uh, but shortly, like a couple of years in as Biking for Babies was growing and people were interested, you know, it became obvious that not everybody could bike a thousand miles. And so we shortened it to, you know, just under 600 to around 700, which is like still not something to balk at. And you're right. It is, it is grueling. I mean, our average is 100 miles a day for six days in a row. That's kind of what we aim for. That's um, really the goal. And it's not um, just to like check a box, like this is how many miles we're going to get, but really the miles matter. We, we really believe that we're offering up this hope and this prayer and this sacrifice for these real women, as I've said, in, in these difficult pregnancies and for their children. Um, and it's such a beautiful thing. So it is grueling, but it's amazing to see how many people come to us who have really no cycling background. They do not even have a road bike. They know how to bike, right? There's many people who know how to bike, but um, they don't have clip-in shoes and um, bike shorts. Like it's, it's all uh, an investment even to just learning how to cycle on the road. And um, then you go from this virtual time of training on your own to having to bike with other people. So how do you draft off of someone and make sure you're communicating because crashes happen when we're not communicating, uh, when we assume people behind us can see something and that's not the case. So um, the training routine is anywhere from 10 to even like 16 hours a week. And not all of that is on the bike, but really just making sure that your body is physically ready for that. Um, but a lot of our missionaries say like, I was as ready as I could be and ultimately got to this moment where I needed help. And the whole goal really is to connect these dots for these young adults. This is going to be hard. We know this. There's a lot of people who come to us for 
um, you know, that athletic who come with that athletic spirit spirit, maybe like yourself, who you've done a lot of competitive sports, you know how to push yourself, like, you know how to work towards a goal. Um, but it's, it's really blessed because it's not for you. It's for someone else. And you get to this moment where you're like, my hands are like frozen in this position. If you're listening on the podcast, I'm kind of, I got like two claws going on with my hands um, and your rear end is hurting. Maybe it's numb, probably not yet, but you know, you got to get back on the bike for the fifth or sixth day. Those are the days where it's like, I cannot do this anymore. And that's where our riders really have to lean on each other. They have to lean on the, the people in the support vehicles, the support crew who are praying and providing water and sunscreen and food and just trying to cheer them on, you know, do fun little surprises along the way uh, to make it less grueling. But ultimately it's, you know, you could hop off and get into the support vehicle. But when we're asking these women who are considering abortion to quote, stay on their bike, like why would you get off? Right. Stay on your bike. Let's do this in solidarity. And in no way, I'll make sure I say, I hope that didn't offend anybody, but in no way does someone biking any amount of mileage compared to that decision between choosing an abortion or otherwise. Um, so, but what we're trying to do with these young adults is really bring them to that point where I have to accept help and, and it's, it's courageous vulnerability as we call it. Absolutely. That, and that is so cool. Maybe let's dive from there into that support. And, and I'm, I'm sure that we, I would be phenomenal to be able to highlight each of the different staff members, but maybe let's talk a little bit about that support team, as well as the work that Lauren does with health and wellness, preparing riders and keeping everybody on their bike healthy and um, in a, a safe situation. What does the support team work on? And how does Lauren work with these missionaries as they prepare for this grind to make sure they have um, the the best chances possible to be able to fully succeed in getting all the way through this without uh, major injury or or any other kind of dilemmas coming up. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So Lauren is actually a volunteer on our executive team, and so she's incredible. And she works in partnership with some of us staff. But what she so she's a trained athletic trainer. She is done with her schooling in her college degree. And she actually um, works full time as an athletic trainer. And so what that means is she works with legit athletes who do this for their job. And they, um, she makes sure that they recover well from injuries. She tries to prevent their injuries. Uh, nutrition is a huge component and really um, bike mechanics even, right? So uh, there's so many layers to it. So the goal is prevention. Let's prevent any injuries. Let's make sure you're trained well. So she not only has written out our training program in partnership with my husband, who is also an athletic trainer. Um, it's a training program. If you fo- We say if you follow that, you'll get there. You'll be okay. But sometimes people are riding with their seat too low, or maybe, um, you know, handlebars not in the right, uh, format, or maybe they start to shift their hips in a way that you don't think you can actually do while you're sitting, but you're kind of starting to get weak or tired in certain muscles. And so you're letting others, um, just kind of take that power or use that power and you start to suffer in your knees. For example, your alignment's going to suffer. There's whole, so many things. So it's really difficult as a virtual training program to, to really prevent everything. So if we can't prevent what Lauren is available for is, all right, I've got this knee pain. What do I need to do about it? So she works with everybody. And then we have volunteer training specialists on each route um, or, or available to each route and they are some of our more um, gifted cyclists who have been very experienced either with injuries or just biking a lot of miles and are an unavailable resource. If I have a question, oh, I um, one thing you don't want to do on the bike is bonk, which if you're not familiar with that um, is you didn't eat enough food and to keep yourself powered and energized. And so it's not just like getting tired, but it's like a full on. I got to get off my bike. I'm going to fall off. I need to lay down. Maybe <laughs> hopefully not, but maybe pass out. Um, and you just like, can't move at all. And then when you get food, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I'm better now. Um, but some people don't know how to eat. And I'm sure that was some of your experience too, Cam, like with elite training and athletics, you don't know how to eat for that length of time for that activity. Um, and it, you have to eat sometimes while you're doing that activity. So that's something people have to learn is, uh, you know, put food in their little pockets in their Jersey and eat while I'm going. And, um, it's a big learning curve. So Lauren is available for all of that. 
Yeah, well, and, and I'm sure even um, dietitians and, and nutritionists and, and just thoughts coming that way, because the the, the age old carb loading, I think of the whether it's uh, Michael Scott crushing a, a fettuccine Alfredo before the, the half marathon for rabies or something like that. Like, how do you yeah, how do you um, school and prepare your body for this so that it's not just a matter of, you know what, I, I've been crushing Skittles the entire time. And guess what, that isn't actually pure carb. And that's not exactly what my body needs to be able to get through this thing. Um, not, nothing against Skittles. Skittles are great. I mean, Marshawn Lynch ate a pack of Skittles halftime every every game that he played, I think. But um, I'm digressing here, unfortunately. Um, I'm just in the sports mood. I, I don't talk to people that are in touch with sports very often. And so this is cool. Um, maybe, maybe talk a little bit about, a um, little bit further on the support team and, and what a day in the life of a support team looks like. Because I'm sure there's some people hopefully listening who are starting to really think and consider about this, but maybe there's something that would be preventing them from doing, um, being a, a cyclist. Maybe, maybe I, I don't know if you have the same kind of age parameters for the support team as well, um, but maybe maybe they're not falling in that 18 to 39 kind of range. Maybe they're um, not capable of, of riding in that capacity. Maybe they've got other conditions or something. Maybe speak a little bit more as to that support team and what a day in the life of the support team might look like. Good question. So our support team is between 18 and 39. So when you apply to be a missionary and you say you're open to either or maybe both, um, you do fall into that young adult category. Um, as our primary goal is to form these young adult missionaries, uh, we have other opportunities and some local rides we try to do um, because there's absolutely plenty of people outside of that age range who could crush us on the bike. So I have seen that and I'm very well aware of that. But as we are growing um, the resources we have available, our primary uh, program we offer is that national ride formation program. So support crew, they're a missionary. They go through the same formation as riders except they're not training to ride. So what are support crew doing? They're training to serve. So what they're going to do in that video you're going to link in, support crew day in the life, is they're going to set their needs aside for that entire week pretty much um, to make sure that riders are fed, that we're checking in on sunscreen because for someone to get sunscreen right on that little tip of your knee, like headed to your thigh, that's not able to be blocked by your <laughs> bike shorts. So day one sunscreen is a no-no. Um, you know, and it's like buying, um, well, I have to ask, have you heard of Olaf? Do you know who Olaf is from the Frozen movie? Okay. <laughs> Not sure if that translated, but um, so Olaf, the snowman from Frozen, um, we had a team one year buy a, an Olaf pinata and the support crew just like had him posted in different places. Like I, Olaf likes warm hugs or um, I wonder what it's going to be like in summer, his different quotes from the movie. And it just kept the spirits up, you know, because it can be long days and it can be grueling. And some people are dealing with um, some injuries and um, but it, it doesn't have to be the worst time of your life. Like <laughs> the goal is for you to offer it up and for us to live like one of our, our core values is to evangelize joyfully. So if you look at any of our videos, you're going to see our missionaries a lot of times smiling through the pain, like laughing, dumping water on each other um, and just trying to, to serve each other joyfully. So support crew really owns that um, attitude and tries to embrace that for the teams and they help plan the stops. So they're in communication with the host each for each evening, uh, help secure a support vehicle. And, um, you know, it's, it's really the model, as I said before, the support vehicle is there for safety. So if a rider needs to get in, ultimately no big deal. Like we want you to be safe, right? Um, but trying to push yourself is, is part of it and trying to get there. Um, not just because I can do it, but we as a team did this. And the support crew really is there to help with injuries. They've got the first aid kit. You know, they carry the people who are in the vehicle, making sure that they're safe and um, taking the breaks that they need and um, just making sure that they are really the pregnancy resource center, right? For these women who are like, I cannot do this by myself. Here's your support system. And we're going to get there safely. We're going to get there together. So that's them. Gotcha. That's so cool. And a couple more questions before we start to wind down towards how people can get involved, how they can donate, how they can apply, that kind of thing. A couple more questions for, before that. Um, I'm sure that in some ways, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure that in some ways, the week of riding is kind of the longest week of their life, but also the shortest week of their life and how they're, they're coming, kind of coming into camp. What, what is it like 
to to be welcoming this group of I I don't know how involved you would be. I don't know if you're able to meet all of the different teams that are start, starting in different locations. But as you see these riders start to to come on in along with their support team and everybody else, what what is the atmosphere? What is the energy like on on that day one um, of coming together? Maybe the next day. I, I don't know how long in advance they get to the location that they're going to be cycling from. But what does that early time look like? What is the atmosphere like? Is there a little bit of tension in people not quite knowing whether or not they can pull this week off? What does the early stage look like for this? Yeah, you you have it exactly right. So each route has a mixture of people who have done this before, either as a rider or support crew. Maybe it was, you know, I was a support crew last year, but I'm going to ride this year. So it's my first time riding, but I've seen what the, the ride is like. Um, and then we have a a ton of new people, right? Because especially after, you know, Roe v. Wade was overturned here in the U.S., um, there's a, an influx of young people just wanting to get involved and um, realize that regardless of the legality of abortion, our jobs are not over and these um, these women and these children need our support. So tons of new people coming to join us, which is a huge blessing. And they get to their day uh, or they get to their starting point a day early, um, sometimes a couple days earlier, if we can kind of get like a tour of a local pregnancy resource center in the books and get them some extra time together. That's really uh, a really precious time. And our goal for formation for all of our missionaries is to see a pregnancy resource center, whether it's before the ride or during the ride or after. So oftentimes we actually stop at a center or maternity home while we're riding. Um, and Really, it's, yes, that night before you're getting bikes ready, we're kind of packing up the support vehicle, people kind of come with supplies, we got to organize it all. And it is full of anticipation. It's like, not as fun, probably as like the night before Christmas. But um, it's like, what's gonna happen, I'm gonna wake up, and we're just gonna go. And, um, you know, we try to get to bed by nine, because we're up usually by 4am the next day, Uh, day in and day out, we do that. So Uh, it's really beautiful to see how people reflect on that time. Like I did not think I was going to be able to do this right the night before they specifically write like the night before, like I've got a pit in my stomach and I'm like, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and just like not even be able to bike. And just to see how God has like provided for them in their experience that, wow, I actually could do this. And my team helped me, you know, there's, there's, um, a lot of strategy with that, with cycling, let's, you know, pull so-and-so into the center, don't have them pull the team in the front and don't have them be the back person. Cause believe it or not, the last person has a really hard job. Um, so let's put them in the center and protect them a little bit and give them a buffer. And, um, maybe eventually they can rotate into another position, but as they're figuring this out, let's do this. And so I know one missionary in particular this last year who had that experience, her team really, um, protected her. She was really vulnerable and said, like, I just don't know that I can, <laughs> I don't know that I can do this. You know, I put in the training, but here I am not sure. And um, kind of, again, I, we equate everything back to a mother in an unplanned, difficult or at-risk pregnancy. Like, can I do this? And all of her many thoughts or even, you know, even women who maybe never really question abortion, but even women, you know, in those situations, like, I don't know that I can be a mom. I don't know that I can do this. And it's like, what should the response to that uncertainty or crisis be? And we believe it should be faith, hope, and love. And to see teams, you know, throughout the week grow together in those vulnerable moments, in those uncertain moments and rise to the challenge. And by the end of the week, they're like, oh, I liked all of this with my team. And so it goes from uncertain anticipation to um, just a really close family. That's so cool. And, and I want to ask a, a couple more questions about the ride and then one more to the kind of wrap up celebrations, I'm sure that that happen after the, the week is over. But during, I'm sure there's a bit of a roller coaster during the week as well, obviously, right? The, I, I would wonder if after the first day, there's a bit of a, uh, I don't know, psychological high on holy moly, I did this. This was great. Um, it's all downhill from here. I can totally do this. And whether there's a little bit of coaching, be like, hey, you know what? Like, I'm so glad that we got through day one. Praise God for that. Let's be mindful. Let's not take this for granted because day two is just as hard and and this builds on top of each other. What does that kind of coaching look like through the week so that people don't get too high but also don't get too low if day three is actually a a fairly high incline day or something like that where you know what we're we're constantly mentoring people through the the highs and lows of this day, if that makes sense. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And actually day one 
is not always the easiest day, but often is because you didn't bike the day before. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you, there is a little bit of that, like, oh, it's not so bad. And then you're like, but I got to do it again tomorrow. Um, so honestly, that really relies like that energy and, um, you know, building up of the team and mentoring relies on our team leaders. So for each route, it's always our goal to have two team leaders. So people who've done the ride before, either as rider or support crew, we always want at least a rider or team leader who can speak to that personal experience and really coach, you know, they got to be on the bike and say like, okay, you're not drafting well, like this is what we need to do. Um, or tell the team, you know, we're going to slow down a little bit here, or we have a really big mileage day. So we're going to have to go at least 16 miles per hour on average for the whole day, you know, that leader is absolutely required. Again, they're a volunteer missionary giving of their time, taking a week off of work and putting in a ton of time before the ride to really train up and mentor their team. Um, so it really just depends on the leaders. They, they go through their own formation program even before our formation for missionaries begins so that we can help them with that. What is servant leadership? You know, what do you say to someone who's like, um, who's, really not biking well, but won't get off the bike. And it's like, okay, what can we do to adjust for them? And then to say, okay, we either need to get up earlier in the morning or we need to ride faster as a team, or maybe you need to take like 30 minute breaks here and there so that we can get to our destination on time. Cause we really don't want them riding in the dark, right? That's unsafe. And we want them to be highly visible. Um, so it, anything can happen. You're right. Like, I mean, <laughs> chafing injury, um, someone gets a stomach ache. Honestly, sometimes that happens with the food situation. Like, um, you know, they trained, but they didn't ride six days in a row. So learning, and then you honestly, hosts feed us whatever they feed us. So spaghetti, some heavy things. And sometimes you're like, okay, that didn't sit well. So um, a number of things can come up as does in real life. And so our leadership and oftentimes our returning missionaries really create that atmosphere of um, teamwork and whatever it is, we're just going to, we're going to get through it. And they're in constant communication with myself and a few other staff members to make sure they have the support they need. You know, they have a card loaded up with money so they can stop at the store if they need um, something for a team member who's, you know, stomach is hurting or something. So um, it, yeah, it's a total team effort, but the leadership really matters. That's so cool. And I, I appreciate all the time that you're giving to all these questions that I've got. Um, one last one before we do the um, how people can get plugged in. What does that last evening look like? Um, you, you finish your last day of cycling. Is, is this a big celebration? Is this everyone just wanting to get to bed as early as they can? What does that last day really, um, is it a culmination? What, walk me through what, what that is like for riders. Yeah. I laugh at, does everyone want to get to bed? Cause there, there's like always this air of like, Oh, I'm tired. Um, but oftentimes they end up like going out at the end of the night just to be together. Cause it is, these are friends that we've made over time who live in Kansas and New York and all of these places across the country. And this is our, you know, one time to see them each year. So it's like, we just stay up all night and catch up and, and really bond over our, you know, our, our shared experiences and beliefs. Um, but everybody is really tired by the end of it. And currently we have two celebration of life events because we have two ending locations. So St. Louis, Missouri, and Arlington, Virginia, as we've said. So we've got a number of different routes to go that go to those ending locations. And we have celebration of life events at each, usually at a parish in the community that hosts us. And um, so the teams ride in that last day. They meet at a predetermined location where they ride in on their last mile together. So it's this big moment of solidarity riding in. And I mean, as we grow like that, that line of support vehicles and riders is just getting so tremendous and beautiful. And we, you know, stop traffic and um, it's a little crazy sometimes, but they come in and it's like truly a celebration. Like, look at what God just did. Look at what each one of us just did together. And that night we share food. We hear from a, a woman who was served by a pregnancy resource center. So at the St. Louis event this year, we heard from Kyla, who was very heavily considering an abortion with her first child, Kylie, um, but heard about Thrive uh, Women's Healthcare and just, you know, her, the experience she had from her walking into Planned Parenthood versus walking into Thrive, she said was just totally different. You know, Planned Parenthood, dark, grown women crying, young girls crying, nobody's loving on you. And then I go to Thrive and they're hugging me. They want to support me. They're telling me I can do this. 
And so, you know, things like that, like we want this, you know, massive amounts of people gathered in support of life and support of our missionaries and these courageous mothers. And so we hear from Kyla and we eat a meal and we hear from our missionaries, like, what did you learn this week? Tell some of, you know, your favorite moments. And um, those are always fun things because it's just like funny, but also so like, wow, you know, that's how God really transformed this in your heart. You went from being kind of nominally pro-life before or personally pro-life, right? So I would never have an abortion, but if she needs it, it should be available to her is, you know, how we talk about that with our teams. And a lot of people come to us in that way, not really understanding why abortion is really never ne- is really not ever necessary and um, is really actually not the compassionate response, as you know, um, to her crisis. So talking through that, and then they just share that, honestly, on the stage in front of 300 people and say, I really learned what it means to be truly pro-life. It's not just, you know, that abortion is wrong. It's that we were made for each other and we need to be there for each other, regardless of what it is. Um, so I make God does amazing things throughout the week. We get to hear those stories. And then, um, like I said, when the, you know, the event is over, we tend to kind of keep the party going and, and hanging out together before we head back home the next day. But one of my favorite things about those events is that um, the community joins with us. So that that church community or people from, you know, I try to get people from all across St. Louis and Missouri for, you know, that event specifically. And um, they just, they have hope, right? And they can, they can donate there. They can uh, buy t-shirts and, and some of our merch and um, learn about their local pregnancy resource center. And it's like a bigger version of those evening events on the ride. Gotcha. That sounds like an absolute blast and, and a great way to end a great week of, of sacrifice, of prayer, of cycling, of supporting pregnancy care centers. I think that's a great way to end everything there. And so as we draw towards the end of the show now, how do people get involved? What, what can we do? What can people in the audience do, whether they're from um, somewhere in America, whether they're in Canada, whether they're around the world, how do people get involved? Yeah, absolutely. So as I said, we had a Canadian missionary this past year. We also had someone from Northern Ireland join us. Um, we met both of them at a big Sikh conference. If you haven't heard, it's the um, Focus Fellowship of Catholic University students. Um, and it's really cool because God is really bringing us people internationally. And currently we support pregnancy care centers and maternity homes in the U.S., um, Maybe that'll grow someday, right? If we've got people from outside of the country joining us as missionaries. Um, so for sure, missionaries from anywhere, wherever you are, uh, or young people, 18 to 39, head to com slash join. Um, and it's biking for F-O-R. Yeah, I'm sure you'll link, link it in. And our application for young adult missionaries, for writer or support crew will be open November 1st through February. Um, we invite you to pray about joining us because it's really going to take all of us to um, raise $400,000 next year is our goal for pregnancy resource centers um, across the country and to for us as an organization to pass that $2 million mark um, in funds donated. So, And as I mentioned, pregnancy care centers, you can head to our website as well and we'll link that in. Um, and really people can email me, we'll link that in. I would just say anybody else, um, please donate. We definitely need your funds to continue forming these young people and providing this tangible support to women in crisis and follow us on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube for your daily dose of joy. Fantastic. One other question I'm going to ask you just as a follow-up on that, um, if I can be so bold, where is the bottleneck right now? Is it a matter of we have more bikers or more support staff than we can afford to take on? Is it a matter of we have more pregnancy care centers that are applying, but we don't have enough riders to pair up with them? If I can ask, where is the bottleneck right now? And maybe that can be an extra little um, nudge, nudge to somebody in the audience who, you know what, might be able to fill that particular need. Hmm. What? You are just on the ball. I'm so impressed by that question. So I will admit that it goes back and forth between we have so many missionaries. We've never turned away a young adult missionary. We've been close because this past year, so we have three full-time staff currently, and um, it was was a very heavy lift of a year, um, a huge growth year for us. So we actually have had that conversation. Do we turn people away? How many routes do we plan as we start to grow, you know, not just linearly, like we're starting to grow exponentially. Praise God. It's a great problem to have. Um, So from that, we actually bring in on our full-time, our fourth full-time staff this week in the hopes that we can support some of that growth. 
Um, so that hopefully this year, the issue is not that we don't have, you know, the capacity to take on these young people. Uh, but last year we did have to turn away pregnancy resource centers because we didn't have enough young people apply. So I can't really say it's one thing right now because it has differed year over year, but I would say that if you are in that young adult age range, um, email me and you're the least bit interested, maybe not this year, but future years, because we will need your witness at some point. Um, and kind of the same goes for pregnancy care centers. Like I want as many as can apply, apply and just pray that we don't have to turn any down. And really with that goal of being the March for life equivalent in July on bicycles, like we want to support all the centers that we can. So, um, I would say probably the biggest bottleneck is the number of missionaries. So we need young people to apply. Gotcha. You heard him. You heard her. Apply, donate, pray for the team, um, get them everything they need. Thank you, Nikki, so much for taking the time to join me on the Pro-Life Guys podcast. Oh, Cam, thank you. It was a blast. I really appreciate you and all the, the work you're doing to um, just bring about you know a culture of life in, in your neck of the woods. <laughs> Amen. We're all in this together, and maybe we can even connect after this next year's um, ride and see some of the, the amazing stories that come out of that. So thanks a ton. Awesome. Thank you. All right, folks. That was my conversation with Nikki Bees, Biking for Babies. I hope that you are um, impressed. I hope that you're inspired by the idea that there's a lot of different ways of contributing. Obviously, we want to get as many boots on the ground as possible. I think that this should be the foundation of everybody's pro-life outreach, having conversations with their friends, their family members, people in their community. Um, but I think that on top of that, there's a beautiful opportunity to leverage the other skills that the Lord has blessed you and I with in a way that will serve the pro-life movement and ultimately preborn children um, and their families. And so I think there's a really, really exciting ministry. I'm going to throw all of those uh, links in the show notes below. Huge thank you to Nikki and the team for all of the work that they're doing and for Nikki for um, taking the time to join me on the Pro-Life Guys podcast. Um, as always, want to encourage you to consider not only um, liking and subscribing on your favorite podcatcher, um, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also subscribe on our website. So on our website, there's an option to like sign up for our newsletter. And now that the summer um, insanity is over, I am actually sending content out there. You get early access to some of our upcoming um, guests and episodes. You get um, opportunities to join for um, video calls, ask me anything kind of stuff, suggestions, just kind of the inside loop for um, what is going on. I'm not going to spam you because as you can tell from my posting schedule, I don't have quite as much time as I would like to be able to dedicate towards the show. Um, but hopefully moving forward through the um, away from the internship season, not only will I be posting every week, but also I will be um, sharing content around um, every Friday. And so please do sign up. I will drop that um, link in the show notes below as well. You can subscribe there and get some kind of cool bonus opportunities as well. And so um, check out the website prolifeguys.com. Hit me up with an email if you have ideas, comments, questions, suggestions, whatever it may be, email at prolifeguys.com. Um, and thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. So may the Lord bless you abundantly wherever you're at, however many hours are left in your day.